Thank you for listening to this teaching from Table Church in Des Moines, Iowa. We are in a series called Seven Questions Jesus Asked. Jesus understood that sometimes he could say more with a simple question than with a thousand other words. His questions are known for their ability to pierce through our intentions and get to the heart of the matter. In this series, we are exploring seven questions that he asked people 2,000 years ago, but are just as relevant for us today. And as always, please be sure to check us out at tablechurchdsm.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today, everybody, and welcome to Table Church. I'm glad that you are here. Uh, If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 4. We'll be looking at Mark chapter 4 this morning, uh, specifically verses 35 to 41. Go ahead and open your Bible. If you don't have one, you can raise your hand and usher will bring you a Bible. Um, I would love for you to be looking at the text today. And as you open there to Mark 4, I want to remind you of our fall spiritual formation retreat that we have coming up. Uh, It's going to be a two-day retreat at Cedar Springs Camp in Floyd, Iowa, which is up north near Charles City. It's a lovely setting. It's in the woods. It's on the river. It's just going to be beautiful this time of year. And so you have a chance to connect with God, connect with friends, connect with nature, and uh, I hope you come. So Pastor Megan is leading it. She's going to guide you through this experience. There will be um, opportunities for you to obviously be alone and maybe solitary with the Lord, but also some group things where you'll be able to enjoy one another's company. Look, uh, if this is for anybody, but I mean, maybe right now you're like, God, I just don't know where you are. Like I have not sensed you or felt you or whatever word you want to use. Maybe you're feeling distant from God right now. Um, this might be what you need. This might be what you need. And so sign up. It's going to be on, um, well, we're going to leave. They're going to leave on November 4th in the morning, return by noon on the 5th. We'd love for you to register by the 27th. So just let us know on your connection card. It's $50. Just put fall retreat on your connection card and uh, we'll, we'll get you the information you need. All right, let's look at Mark chapter four. Starting at verse 35, it says this, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Of course, this is Jesus we're talking about. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I'd like to write my sermons a few weeks in advance. So like this coming week, I'll be writing a sermon for maybe the end of November or something like that. And so I wrote this sermon several weeks ago. But I do remember that the week that I wrote this sermon, uh, there was a family in our church who found out some alarming health issues about one of their children. Uh, There was someone who started cancer treatment. There was a couple who faced a major crisis. There was a couple that lost a friend. There was somebody struggling with their job. And those are just the things that were going on in one week. And those are just the things that I knew about. And I mentioned this to say, we just read a story about Jesus calming a storm. I mentioned this to simply say that there's a lot of people in the storm There's always, always a lot of people in the storm. 
This is why church matters. I know that some people will say things like, well, what, what, do, I need, what do I need church for? I can get along fine without it. But whoever said that this is about what you need? What if it's about what others need and that others might need you? What if it's about the fact that there's some people that are fighting for their lives right now and a little bit of encouragement from you wouldn't hurt? Maybe that's what the church is about. Maybe it's not about what we want or what we need, but what, what we can provide for other people. Now, we're in a series right now called Seven Questions Jesus Asked, and the question that Jesus asks today is the question, why are you so afraid? And it's a question that he asks in the middle of a literal storm, which means I think there's a few things that this passage can teach us about, about fear. When we reach this point in Mark chapter 4, it had been a long day of ministry, it was a day that was filled with healing people and teaching people, run-ins with religious leaders that were trying to set Jesus up, shut him down. He even gets accused of being demon-possessed at one point. And by the end of the day, the people are pressing in. They're coming out from all over the place to see Jesus. I mean, he's like this local celebrity now. And so they're coming out from of the woodwork to see this man, to hear his teachings, maybe to see a miracle, to be healed or something like that. And they're just, they're just swarming Jesus to the point where he asks his disciples, hey, go get me a boat, so that we, presumably so that he can make a quick getaway, you know? So they go and get a boat, and Mark specifies it's a small boat, it says, but it's a boat. And by the end of the day, the people are pressing in on him that he turned this boat into a pulpit. And so he's actually floating out a few feet into the lake uh, and sitting in the boat and teaching all the people on the shore because they, you just need a little bit of space. Now, what that means is that by the time nighttime falls, Jesus and his disciples, they, they cram into this small boat and they're exhausted. And this is proven by the fact that um, Jesus is literally sleeping through a storm. I mean, that's tired. Now, the Bible's not usually known for being funny, but I actually think that it's possible Mark is sprinkling in a little bit of subtle humor here. In verse 37, it says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Thunder, lightning, a storm that Mark describes as furious, water splashing into the boat, and he's taking a nap classic Jesus, right? I remember one time I was at scout camp and me and my buddy, we, we were sharing a tent. We thought, you know what? We're going to be real smart. We're going to get ahead of the game. Tomorrow, tomorrow's the last day of camp. We're going to have to get up early, tear down our tent. We're just going to tear our tent down tonight and we're going to sleep under the stars. And of course, there's a storm that night. And so I'm sleeping on a picnic table underneath the dining tent, you know, which has no walls, by the way. And I remember, uh, like, it's just, the wind was howling, the, the rain was just, like, going crazy, and I just pulled my sleeping bag over my head, and I actually did sleep a little bit that night, believe it or not. Pretty crazy. But um, apparently it's possible. But I can't imagine doing it while you're on a boat that's, like, sinking. And that's what Jesus does. It says, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Of course, Jesus cares if they drown. But what I want you to see here is that, listen, the, the disciples only have part of the story. They don't actually have all the data. In their minds, the storm is 
all there is to know. I mean, they have all the relevant information. There's wind, there's waves, there's lightning, there's thunder. Like, what else do you need to know about our situation right now? There's water in our boat, it's swamped. Like, what, what else do you need to understand about this? But what they, can, what they can see is only actually part of what's happening. They don't have the full picture. Verse 39 says, He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now what's interesting here is the Greek words translated rebuke and quiet. Mark uses those same words when Jesus rebukes a demon in chapter 1. It says this, And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And so if, if Mark is drawing any sort of a, a parallel, and I think he probably is, does it all the time, there's some sort of a parallel between these two moments where Jesus is rebuking a storm and where Jesus is rebuking a demon. What I think it suggests is that Mark is saying, look, this storm we're talking about here, I think it's a literal storm. I think there was a storm in a boat and the disciples were in it and Jesus calmed it. I, I think all that happened. But I think Mark is also saying, look, this storm represents more than just a storm. This storm represents all manner of evil that we might encounter in our lives. He's expanding it beyond just a storm by drawing this, kind of likening it to this other moment where Jesus does the same thing to a demon. What he's saying is like, you can, you can insert yourself in this story here because you know what it's like to face something like this too. I think that Mark is actually subtly inviting his readers to put themselves in it. Finally, we get to our question, verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Notice the audacity of this question here, and I, I feel like a broken record. All, all the questions we look at in this series so far, there's always something about it. It's like, well, either really obvious or really silly or sort of offensive. Like, Jesus, why would you shame somebody for being afraid when their boat is sinking? Like, you know, like... It seems to me like, this is not a terribly unreasonable moment to be afraid here, Jesus. Don't act like I'm being silly here, please. Yes, that, that's what he does. Why, why, why are you so afraid, he says. You still not have any faith? Do you know that the command, do not be afraid, I've, I've, heard, I've heard it said that it's the most common command in Scripture. And yet, it's probably one of the most difficult ones to obey because when you're in the storm, like that's all you can see. All you see is the lightning and the wind and the waves. But that's part of what faith means. It's about knowing that there's something more happening beyond what you can see. The story of Jesus calming the storm, it's what, it's what Tim Mackey of the Bible Project would call a hyperlink. Now, a hyperlink is where you click on something and it takes you from one part of the internet to another part of the internet. And so in the Bible, a hyperlink is a text that links us from one part of the Bible to another part of the Bible. And actually, that's what's, that's what's going on here in a really cool way. And the story is linking us all the way back to Psalm 107. And so I want to invite you, if you have your scriptures open, to turn to Psalm 107. I think it's really helpful to see this particular thing in the text. I want you, I want you to see the parallels that, that Mark is drawing here. Psalm 107, it'll be verses 23 to 31 is what I'm going to read. It says, some went out on the sea in ships. Okay, sounds familiar. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest 
that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. So I think it's clear here that, that Mark is hyperlinking us back to Psalm 107. And just like in this psalm, the disciples, they're at their wits' end. It says in the psalm, their courage melted away. They staggered around like drunkards. You can almost imagine these guys you know, on this little boat going up and down, just like absolutely out of their minds with fear. Jesus, don't you care if we drown? You know, like these guys are, are terrified. And just like in the psalm, it says that Jesus stills the storm. In fact, he, he tells it to hush. It says, be quiet, just like in the psalm. Now, what we need to remember, before we understand the significance of, of this connection, this hyperlink, what we need to remember is that Jesus' identity is not clearly understood at this point. Now, this is made obvious by what they ask in verse 41. It says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They don't know who Jesus really is yet. They're still piecing this together. In fact, um, you know, when we read their question, it's easy for us to say, well, who is this? I mean, it's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the second person of the Trinity, God incarnate. What do you mean, who is this? Oh, yeah, but we've got 2,000 years of church history under our belts, Right? We got a lot more to work with than they did. They, they're still trying to figure this out. In fact, I think it's helpful for us to imagine that you're a first century Jewish person, the original audience of the gospel of Mark. Now they call Mark an evangelist because he's writing this to tell us who Jesus is. He's telling the story to help people who don't know Jesus understand who he is and what he's about. And so we're reading this book and we're trying to, it's okay, who is this Jesus guy? I've heard about him and whatever. I want to know more about him. And, and so you're reading it. Now, uh, if you're a first century Jewish person, you are raised on the Psalms. You know the Psalms. I can quote episodes of The Office, okay? You can quote the Psalms. Like, you understand these things. They, they are inside of you because you've been raised on them. And so you get to this point in the story, and you still don't know who Jesus is either. You're still trying to discover, along with the disciples, what's going on and what this guy's all about. Now, you get to chapter 8, and right... And Peter finally says, you're the Messiah, right? And he kind of gets it there a little bit. But at this point, we don't know much. He's a teacher. He's a miracle worker. Seems to be anointed by God to some level. And then you get to this point. You get to the, the moment where Jesus tells the sea to be quiet. And you start to remember something. You, you see their courage melting away. And you start, you start remembering, oh, this sounds a lot like Psalm 107. In fact, some of the same language even. And when we remember this, we get a sense of how earth-shaking this hyperlink to Psalm 107 is. Because look, in the Psalms, there's no question who's calming the storm. It's God himself. It's Yahweh. And so I think Mark is being kind of careful here. He's hinting at something that would maybe sound a little blasphemous if he came right out and said it. Because how could, how could Yahweh be a man? And so he's not coming right on saying it, but he's trying to get his, his readers to scratch his head a bit. He's like, wait a second, what, 
okay, I, this, this sounds a lot like Psalm 107, but surely he's not saying that this Jesus is God. Well, actually, yes, that's exactly what he's saying. See, the disciples didn't realize who was actually in the boat with them. They didn't realize that that little boat in the middle of the raging sea was the safest place in the universe at the moment because God is in the boat with them. Look, when we're afraid, we must remember that God is in the boat with us. That's the big revelation of this passage. Jesus, he's not just a man. He's not just a great leader. He's not just a miracle worker. Mark is saying, look, the God who made the wind and the seas is right by your side. So why are you so afraid? But you know, when we're in the storm, it's hard to trust that he's there. Our reaction is going to be much more like the disciples. Like, Jesus, don't you care if I drown? And so we need to find ways to remind ourselves that, look, God is still with us. And I want to give you two ways to do that today. Two ways to encounter God, even in difficult times. The first one is this. You got to lean into your community. You got to lean into your community. Now, uh, different personalities tend to have different reactions when things kind of hit the fan in life. Some people reach out, you know, they'll reach out. Others, there's more private people, I don't know, and they kind of withdraw from the community. Um, but one of, the, one of the sure signs I found in, in ministry that things aren't going so good for somebody is when they start to distance themselves from the church. When that happens, it's, I mean, they might not be in a crisis or anything, but it's almost a telltale sign that that. Spiritually speaking, things aren't, things aren't great, you know. And um, there's all sorts of reasons why we withdraw from the community when things get hard, but one of those is sometimes we feel shame. We think, well, if people know what I did or what happened to me, like, they wouldn't want to be around me and stuff like that. But look, if your church community isn't the kind of community that you can bring that stuff to, then you probably need a new community. Too often, the church, we treat it like a display window where I get to show off my perfect life. Like, church is like the anti-Instagram, you know? Like, we need to be the opposite of that, where we're real and honest about what's going on. It's more like a hospital. And we're all patients, and God is the doctor. Now, I mean, let's just be honest. Do we really want to attend a church where everybody just, like, pretentiously acts like everything's fine all the, all the time? Of course we don't want, of course we don't want that. We want to be in a place where we can be honest. But it starts with us. Like, we just have to do it. The Bible has this interesting phrase it uses to refer to the church. It calls us the body of Christ. Kind of weird, isn't it, when you think about it? We're the body of Christ. And at numerous points in the Bible, we are promised that when the body comes together, that God is there too. Which means that sometimes when we're crying out, like, God, where are you? The answer might be as simple as, well, he's there in your table group. And so I want to encourage you to lean into your community. This is a wonderful group of people. You know that? Like, we've, we've kind of struck gold here, y'all. Like, this, this is a really wonderful... There, there's nobody in this room right now that I wouldn't want to just hang out with. You know? Like, there's nobody in this room right now that I wouldn't want to pray with. That I wouldn't want praying for me. We've got an incredible thing going don't let it just slide by. When we have these moments of intercession, take advantage of those. I know, there's no aisles. It's hard to get out and stuff. No. Just do it. Push your way out of there. You know? Throw elbows. Whatever you got to do. Like, come, get prayer. 
Let's, let's be the kind of church that reaches out. When the church gets it right, it's beautiful. When we get that right, it's amazing. And we do get it right an awful lot. But I think God has more for us. In fact, I think that God has been, I've said this a number of times, in the last year, we've done a lot of stuff with prayer. We've preached on prayer. We've got the prayer room going. We've started having more prayer in our services and things like that. And I think that the church has responded. I think that God is doing things in our lives. But what always happens is when you start to push in spiritually and have spiritual discoveries and God starts working, something else is going to come along too to try to stop it. There's going to be some sort of opposition. That often happens. And so that just means that we have to be ready for it and we have to pray even more for it. Be resistant to it, you know? Like, oh, that was cool six, six months ago or whatever, but now I'm just not really into it anymore. It's like, no, what's actually, what voice is that that you're listening to right now? And so let's not let it stop. Let's continue to follow God down this journey. Um, you know, there's been so many people who have said something to the effect of, I don't know, I don't know how to made it if I didn't, if it wasn't for the community, if it wasn't for the church. Like those stories are all over the place. And so let's continue to be that kind of church. When you're in the storm, lean into your community. That's one way we experience God in the boat with us. The other way is this. Make your prayers frequent and fierce. Make them frequent and fierce. If I'd have been thinking, I'd have added a third, forever. Like, long duration. Like, don't just pray one time, you know. Don't just pray for a week. Pray for a long time. I had a professor in college, actually was my favorite professor. He was my favorite teacher of any subject I ever had. He was an incredible teacher and an incredible theologian. And he, um, he taught my theology class. He, one, one week I remember we were talking about prayer and he talked about how he has a prayer list and he's had it for years. And this prayer list includes anyone in his life and his family or his friends that don't know Jesus. He says, I've been praying this prayer list every day for years. He says, over time, I've been able to check off every single name. He was down to like one or two names left on his list. As God has been faithful. And these people have come to a relationship with Jesus. For our family, one of the, one of the biggest storms was when we were trying to adopt Vienna. And it was just a brutal process. And anyone who's adopted probably has a similar story. But, I mean, three and a half years is how long it took and um, there was a long period of time where we weren't sure if she was ever going to come home. We actually flew to Congo at one point, hoping to bring her home. And the hardest day of our lives was when we realized we would not be flying back to the States with our daughter. She was legally our daughter by Congolese law, but she did not have an exit letter. We couldn't take her out of the country. And so we had to leave her and fly across the world again. Look, that, that's not fun. Like I said, it might have been the worst day of our lives. But you know, in that time, we, we leaned hard into our community. We had so many people praying. I remember Pastor Megan flying to Zambia, talking about how she's praying for Vienna as she flew over the Congo. I remember my mom, she's got pages in her prayer journal about Vienna. We leaned in that community, and it was hard, but boy... God was in it. God was in it. I don't say it just because it had the happy ending that we desired. I say that because there was something about that space that we just knew we were, we were loved. 
We need to get fierce in prayer. We need a tenacity that says, God, I'm going to plant myself here and I'm not moving. I'm not moving. You know, that's how Jesus teaches us to pray. There's a story about a village and there's a judge in the village and he's kind of a jerk. He doesn't care about anybody. There's this widow who keeps coming to the judge asking for justice for her cause and she comes so much that he gets annoyed with her and finally breaks down and gives her what she wants. And Jesus is like, pray like that. That's what prayer should be. You should annoy God with your prayers. That's what prayer ought to look like. You gotta be fierce, you gotta be frequent, you gotta pray for a long time sometimes. But look, what if, if you pray for 20 years for something, I mean, you're gonna be discouraged a lot, right? You're gonna be like, God, why? Why not the first time I prayed? But if after 20 years, you encounter God, would it not be worth it? Would it not be worth it? God's in the boat with us. In a way, it feels trite to say. It feels like a Sunday school answer. God's in the storm with you, right? I'm just trying to preach the scriptures though today. And the fact is that they didn't realize who was actually in the boat with them. They had no idea that the God of the universe, the one who actually makes the wind and the waves, was there. And I do think that Mark is trying to tell us that that's the same for us. And so I want to invite you today to do a couple things. Um, The first one is this. Uh, As you came in, you should have received a card with a QR code on it. Did everybody get one of those? Put it in the air for a second. Just want to make sure we got those. Okay, I see them. If um, it's the closest I'm ever going to get to saying I see that hand. No. (laughs) Uh, if you didn't get one, please grab one on your way out. And, and ushers, if you're here, please just have them set out or maybe somebody could put them on the coffee, on the coffee uh, counter um, quick when, when we dismiss. I want everyone to be able to get one of those because if you scan that QR code, it's going to take you to a, a spreadsheet where you can sign up to take a slot in our new prayer room. We've prepared a prayer room in the ministry center. And this week, I want to open it to you. Um, I want to invite you to sign up for an hour in that prayer room as many hours as you want, actually. And we'll figure out, well, you'll get an email either today or tomorrow um, about building access and that kind of stuff. We'll get it figured out. But I want you to sign up and spend, a, spend some time in that prayer room. I've been praying in there. The, 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 the prayer counseling team has been using it. Um, look, it's a sacred space. Like God is going to set some people free, already has been, in that room. God's going to do something through us in that room. I'm really, really excited about what's going to go down in there. I use it just about every day in the office now. Um, and so I want to invite you into that. It's ready to go. Um, so sign up for a, for a slot. But the second thing I want you to do is um, on your connection card, write down your storm right now. Write down what you're in, what you're going through. You can do it. We're just going to assume it's anonymous because what I'd like to do is actually type these up and have them in the prayer room so that they are then prayer, prayed for throughout the week as your brothers and sisters in Christ are coming into the prayer room. Um, we're just going to assume anonymity. We will not put your name on it unless you indicate, include my name, which by the way, depending on what it is, I'd love for people to be like praying for me by name before the Lord, you know what I mean? So if you can share your name, please do it. Just say, yes, please include my name or something like that. Otherwise, we'll assume it's an anonymous prayer request. But if you write it on your connection card today, we'll make sure it gets in the prayer room and it will be prayed for this week. 
And so we're going to lean into our community today, and we're going to make our prayers frequent and fierce. We're going to do both of these things throughout the rest of this week. Um, oh, and it, the, the prayer room is on the second floor of the ministry center. Uh, when you go up to the top of the steps, it's in Pastor Megan's old office. You just do a hard left, and it'll be right there. But if stairs are an issue, we can open up the comments for you as well. Just let us know, and we will make that happen. Maybe you aren't in a storm. Maybe you've just, what I talked about earlier, you've just kind of got this spiritual malaise going on right now. You're just like, ah, I'm not really feeling it, God. And you're like, last thing I want to do is go sit for an hour in a prayer room. Got so much going on. You might, that might be exactly what you need right now. So if you just need to come and just, I don't even know what to do. We'll have some stuff in there you can pray through. Um, and you just come in and you maybe you just, Read Psalm 107, you know what I mean? Read Mark 4. Pray through it. Say, God, this is how I feel right now. Get out a journal. Just write how you're feeling. There's all sorts of things you can do. I think that the Lord, I think you will be surprised at how fast an hour can fly by. I really do. All right. So, can't wait to have a whole bunch of people in and out of the ministry center this week as we uh, fill that prayer room with our prayers. All right, let's pray. Lord God, I ask, that, um, I ask that today for those of us who are in the storm that you would remind us that you're in it too. Help us to trust that you are. And Lord, if it takes 20 years, so be it. I don't know why you often work at the pace you do. I don't know why it took three and a half years in our case. I don't, I don't know. But Lord, I know that, that you care. I know this because um, the pain that I felt going through that process, Lord, reminded me of the pain you must feel for all your children. So, Lord, help us at least stick with that, that you're here and that you're with us. But Lord, also, we pray you come in power. As we lift these prayers to you throughout the week, Lord, would you transform hearts and lives? Would you do something? Would you give us a testimony, Lord, that we can proclaim to the world, I pray. We love you in your name. Amen.